0: Welcome back to the Win Daily Podcast for today, Labor Day, September second. Before you get ready to barbecue, you got to talk some fantasy football. Maybe you have a draft today, etc. We're going to talk some fantasy baseball as well uh, about the Monday slate. And here to join me, making his podcast debut with us, is DFS Pro Dan. Where Dan, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me on, Scott. Happy Labor Day.
0: Yeah. So, Dan, uh, tell the listeners, you know, you've had some some uh, pretty success, pretty good success in DFS, and uh, you know, I want to tell people why they should listen to you. So talk about some of your biggest wins, et cetera.
1: Uh, some of my biggest wins do stem from uh, NFL uh, being Week 17. I had a pretty good Buffalo Bills stack uh, that took down a 20K GPP takedown in an early only tournament. And I also have a uh, Monday night showdown takedown. Uh, that was the New York Giants and San Francisco um, 49ers last year in a Monday night game. That was a 23K takedown. Um, I have multiple sizable GPP takedowns in NBA, um, and then MLB has been my up-and-coming sport. That's probably, um, that's becoming one of my better ones, but that's one I've been working on. There's a lot of variants. So, yeah, overall, I've had a lot of success uh, across the core sports, uh, NFL, NBA, and MLB.
0: Okay. Well, uh, your dog certainly doesn't approve you playing DFS from what I hear. <laughs> What's that? I said your daughter heard your dog in the background, and he doesn't seem to approve of uh, you know you playing DFS. He needs more oh, yeah, attention. Well, he
1: he wants to uh, he wants me to sit with him all the time, and I am sitting up at the desk uh, doing research a lot, so they get they get a little unhappy from time to time.
0: Yeah, but you know what though, if, if you don't do this, he can't have the very best dog food that that's right oh, available
1: and it just so happens that their dog food costs a hundred dollars because they're, they have allergy issues so yeah need to keep up on the dfs so they can have the best of the
0: best there you go there you go that's that's a good dad yeah all right um <laughs> <laughs> let's start with some seasonal football news uh we're getting reports from adam Schefter that the uh that the cowboys are close to a deal with ezekiel elliott to try to get him you know in the building this week and uh I was saying all along, and people have been hearing this on the podcast and on SiriusXM, that you know you really couldn't speculate as to when uh, Elliott or Gordon was going to come back. Everybody had these ideas. Oh, he's flying back to Dallas. Yeah, he's going to play. Oh, he's, You never know with these holdouts. Everybody had a prediction last year about what Le'Veon Bell would play, and none of them ever came to fruition. It's very hard to predict these things, but... Uh, when you get a report from Adam Schefter, sourced source like that, uh, and he says for sure that, you know, that, that this is not like the other reports where people are just speculating off of him being on a plane or something like that. Uh, this this caused me to move Ezekiel Elliott back up in my ranks. I had him at number eight at RB. I now have him back at number four. Wow. Yeah, I uh
1: Absolutely agree. This is uh, fantastic news for the Dallas Cowboys. They're going to need him week one, and I really had no doubt that he wouldn't be back in time. Um, like you said, these situations are very sensitive, um, and really, it's just got to exercise patience on both sides. Um, I know these agents work diligently to get a deal done. Um, we run into these stalemates you know, from time to time, especially when you got the media in the middle of everything. Uh, but it looks like they are going to get this deal done. I have Ezekiel Elliott ranked as the third-ranked running back in the NFL this season coming in.
0: Yeah, well, I, I'll, put, I'll put him at, uh, at third when I, when I actually know that he's in right. camp, et right. cetera. But, you know, these guys really don't need the preseason. Uh, like him and Antonio Brown, if they're going to make a fuss over something, they, they, they want to miss the preseason anyway.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. They- yeah, no, I, uh, I, I'm not concerned with these. Like you said, I'm not concerned with these guys going to camp. They have their own uh, workout regiments outside of camp that they're, you know, handling all year long. Um, so I know he's going to come in week one in tip-top shape and ready to go.
0: Yeah, sometimes though, when the guys work out on their own, they're not quite conditioned, especially to right. last into the regular season. But you know, and that's the thing with with Melvin Gordon, it seems less likely. Unless he's traded, then we'll see him in camp anytime soon. Austin Eckler, when he got to start last year, really didn't put up impressive numbers. Uh, so it makes Justin Jackson something of a sleeper, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh,
1: yeah, I see a lot of people hanging their hat on Eckler, and I just, uh, I don't see it myself. Um, uh, Melvin Gordon, it's uh, a unique situation with his injury history. Um, I think at the end of the day, I mean, it's really hard to say. I just don't know if he's going to start week one. We don't know how long this holdout's going to last.
0: Yeah, well, uh, if he gets a trade, though, you know, he can be in time for the regular season, like we saw with Jadavion Clowney. He was holding out, and ultimately the team just said, okay, let's trade him. You know, let's get it off our hands.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and I think, I think, the end result for the Chargers, that's probably the best case scenario. Just get, you know, a few picks out of this guy, get him off your hands, get him move on the season. I know they have a big aspirations this year for Phillip Rivers.
0: Yeah, and four years already for Melvin Gordon, though, he's failed to finish the season in three of them. So I think people don't uh, take that into account enough with drafting him.
1: Yeah, no, he's uh, he's presented a lot of issues throughout the season. I I, I can't really uh, in recent memory remember he had a, a a full and healthy season. He always seems to run into. Yeah, it was
0: one season I think 2017.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he uh, consistently is you know sitting multiple games per season. I can definitely see where the Chargers are coming from on this one. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. This is a this is another interesting one. This is a. Not quite as similar to the situation that we had in Pittsburgh last year, but uh, but close enough.
0: Okay, uh, the Chiefs signed, uh, you know, as we go, over running back rundown right down here. Uh, the Chiefs signed LaShawn McCoy, and now there's a lot of concern. People drafted Damian Williams as a high-end RB2 in a lot of fantasy drafts, and now they're concerned. But, uh, you know, I moved him down from 9 to 15 in my running back PPR rankings. Uh, I think it takes a little bit of a hit, but not a tremendous hit. Uh, I think there's a signal that the Chiefs maybe don't uh, trust him fully to be the lead back, and they want to have some insurance here. And there's talk of a committee, uh, et cetera. But you know, I think this is going to fire up Damian Williams. You know, I was saying this on the podcast yesterday, that uh, or the other day. I think it's going to fire him up because he's going to have something to prove here that. He can handle that job. Uh, Andy Reid brings in LaShawn McCoy, Damian Williams is like, well, you know, I have to keep playing at a high level to, you know, maintain this starting running back job. So I think it's it's a negative and a positive for Williams. And we're just going to have to see how it works out on the field. And I'm still taking him as a mid-range RB2 in these late drafts.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it is in question that exactly what LaShawn McCoy has left in the tank. Um, is he going to primarily see uh, an early down pass-catching roll out of the back? Um, are they going to use him more in goal-eye situations? I imagine Damian Williams will still see a bulk of the carries. Um, LaShawn McCoy is just not the same running back he has been in years past. Um, and a little bit of that analysis... Uh, it's difficult because I just think overall he wasn't entirely happy in Buffalo, um, so maybe that attributed to some of his uh, not as great as performance last season in uh, in terms of NFL DFS. So yeah, I don't I don't think there's a big threat for Damian Williams here. I think uh, I still think he'll maintain a good chunk of the workload. And like you said, he's going to come in with a chip on his shoulder. He's got something to prove. He just got a spot from uh, Cream Hunt uh, departure last season that put him into the spotlight. Um, so, yeah, I do uh, I do agree with you. I think that Damian Williams, he doesn't lose a lot of stock here.
0: Yeah, well, Damian Williams should will probably still be the lead goal line back. When you look at he took over last year, if you include the playoffs, his last six games, he had six rushing touchdowns. Yeah. So he's a, he's a proven guy at the goal line. I can't, I can't see McCoy cutting into that in a major way and being the lead goal line back. Of course, yeah. not every fantasy player knows this and sees the land DFS not every running back gets every goal line carry uh, for of the, of the season. Sometimes, you know, they'll give a guy a breather if he just ripped off a long run, or sometimes they might hand it to the fullback or to a backup running back just to confuse the defense.
1: Right. That's, that's It's a similar situation I think we're going to see with Todd Gurley this season. He, uh, I think we'll see him more as a goal line bully. Uh, I think they're going to try and lighten the workload a lot on him. We've all heard the news uh, the knee issues he's had through there was pretty much his whole career he's had multiple surgeries on his knees um they they said in the off season last year going in that he had arthritis in his knees um so they'll limit his workload as well but yeah yeah the, the goal line bully situation uh applies with Damian Williams as well I think he'll get a bulk of the carries inside the red zone
0: yeah and then also we had some news uh with McCoy leaving, you know, that David Montgomery was going to be the lead running back. Uh, I'm sorry, Devin Montgomery. Devin Singletary. Devin Sing- okay, I got it right. I, I I morphed David Montgomery into Devin Singletary. Look at that. Uh, but uh, Devin Singletary is going to be the lead running back, but they're talking about a pure committee there. Uh, I view Singletary as a high-end flex uh, right now with this news. He, I, he, he's still going to be their top goal line option. He's not a fast running back. He doesn't make people miss, but from five-seven guy, he's kind of powerful. So I do, uh, I do think there. Are, you know, he's had a good preseason. He'll be the lead running back. Uh, my question for you is: I got a quiz for you. How many touchdowns without looking? Don't Google it. Okay. Uh, and uh, how many rushing touchdowns did Frank Gore have last year? God. Mm.
1: Let me say
0: twelve. Twelve rushing touchdowns?
1: Yeah. Really? I'm just, I'm just taking a shot. I don't know off the top of my head.
0: You 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 had many as he did. What's that? You had as many as he did.
1: I had as many as he did. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how much he last year. He he had no rushing touchdowns last year. No
1: rushing touchdowns, holy moly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's no longer goal back.
1: like he's no older too yeah
0: i was like 12 where did that come from
1: what is he uh the colts right
0: last season yeah, yeah he was on the, on the colts last season it was all marlin back wow. Um uh, but yeah you know, my point being is that i can't see him being much of a goal line runner either you know change of pace sort of guy for singletary
1: well you got to think that they also have josh allen a quarterback and he's a pretty mobile guy um so i think this. Uh, a younger flex running back like Mike Singletary uh, is going to be useful for for a guy like him who likes to throw on the move a lot and get outside of the pocket?
0: No, Gore was actually in Miami last year. Uh,
1: Correct that. Then I'm behind two years because that's how relevant he's been to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, you haven't paid the attention to Frank Gore. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people haven't. Now they have TJ Yeldon. We'll catch some passes out of the backfield. If I had to draft one of the other Buffalo running backs, it would probably be Yeldon uh, over Gore for the pass catching ability. But really, he's just a depth pick. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, he uh, he never really did anything in Jacksonville. And he had. Quite a of quite a bit of time to uh, to showcase his skill set, and I really, not, really never saw anything special out of him.
0: Yeah, and then of course we got Carlos Hyde getting traded to the uh, Houston Texans. Uh, again, I think it's a motivational thing. Uh, you know, Hyde has completely looked like a journeyman the last few seasons, and I think it's insurance. Duke Johnson has never got the chance at the NFL level to be a featured running back. The Browns never gave him a chance. But he was a workhorse in college, so I think this is this points to him getting getting the opportunity. But they have high his insurance in case uh, in case he can't fully handle the lead running back role.
1: Right, right. And now we have a uh, and now they have a nice bolstered offensive line with Laramie Tunzel at left tackle. Um, so this is going to be unique. You know, you got Deshaun Watson. He's also a running quarterback. He likes to get outside the pocket. You've got Carlos Hyde. Uh, he's a great downhill runner. Um, yeah, so it's uh, Buddy Howell at third string, Duke Johnson. Uh, what do you think about Duke Johnson? Do you think what, – what, what do we got going on here? Right now he's shown as the first string guy in Houston. Yeah, I
0: was just talking about Duke yeah. Johnson. Yeah. That uh, – that he'll, he was a workhorse in college and, uh, you know, now we get a chance to be a lead guy in a high the insurance. Right, yeah.
1: Now, I, I think that uh, Duke Johnson is finally getting an opportunity for himself away from Cleveland. Um, you know, we watched several running backs go in there. Uh, you know, he stole the show for a little, by, a little while, and then they would find someone else. Uh, and then most recently we have Nick Chubb, and then, you know, of course they bring Kareem Hunt, which I think is kind of a kick in the stomach for him uh so he's got a huge a huge chip on his shoulder in houston i think that uh i think that if if they can utilize him the way he was meant to be which is a a a, a receiving running back uh i think that he will be really effective i think that he'll have a great year um i could easily see 600 receiving yards uh 600 rushing yards over 1000 yards this year for sure
0: yeah, but the thing is, you know, and I was just saying when we bled this discussion off, though, that he was a workhorse in college. And yeah. If they, they're going to give him the opportunity to do that, I don't know if it's going to be a split timeshare right out of the gate with him and I. I think they'll give the chance to show he can be a purely runner. Well, I hope he gets that chance. Yeah,
1: I. Uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it works out. It seems like uh, the head coach over there, at the Texans, kind of kind of gives his players a shorter leash um so if he isn't quite as effective in the early weeks it'll be interesting to see what he does with the workload um how he favors Carlos High going forward so we'll see hopefully he can come in there and uh with that bolstered offensive line and uh he can make an impact
0: immediately all right so all right. let's go to the MLB DFS slate it'll be the Rangers against the Yankees one o'clock p.m at Yankee Stadium looks like an avoid game for me Good as minor is pitched. Uh, you know, I don't like him against the Yankees lineup. And uh, Tanaka, you know, he's pitched really well. He's uh, Maybe it's not a total avoid. 8,100 against Texas, uh, the Rangers. What do you think of using Tanaka today?
1: Uh, at initial looks at the slate, I really did, was on Tanaka. Uh, the main concern for me, I think, is the weather. Uh, typically, when the weather looks the way it does, which it, it doesn't look awful. I think the last time I checked, it was around... 35% chance uh, right around right around first pitch. Um, I don't think he's a bad option. Texas is pretty bad on the road. Um, on the other side, Mike Minor, he's been pretty darn good. Uh, 277 Woba, 363 Slug, 282 OBP against righties. Um, so he's been great to them. And we know the Yankees are stacked with right-handed power. Um, so, in quite honestly, I think this game, all in all, is a full day for me. Uh, just with the weather factors, pitching, I think there are better pitching options across the slate, and I think we can move away from Tanaka. Um, and he also presents a little bit of risk going against some of those left-handed batters in Texas.
0: Mets at the National Syndergaard coming off maybe one of his worst starts ever. Uh, at 10,000, probably a GP plea. Play and Joe Ross against the Mets is somebody you have to consider if you want to save money at sixty six hundred on DraftKings.
1: Yeah, Joe Ross is uh, he's an interesting play. He's had a he's had some success over the last uh, few starts. Um, now Noah Syndergaard, like you said, he's coming off one of his worst plays i think that's going to drive down ownership and possibly give us a play here uh but the main concern again unfortunately it looks like we're going to have some uh, late afternoon thunderstorms uh in the dc area and they do look pretty severe so that once again we're just going to have to monitor the situation uh, going into the game but we have on one hand the nationals uh who i believe are five and a half games up
0: See, Sorry. Yeah, the
1: Nationals. Uh... Yeah, Nationals are five. Okay, the Braves are five and a half games up uh, right now on the Nationals. Uh, so right now
0: they're just trying to keep pace for the wild card, and that's something we gotta keep in mind. Let's see. Yeah. So you know, Ross. You know, those Mets bats are kind of up and down, so he might be more of a GPP play. Um, Yeah, Baltimore's a Tampa Bay. Asher Wojciechowski against Ryan Yarbrough. Uh, Yarbrough's pitched really well, so at 9,400, he's a consideration, and maybe also a Tampa Bay stack here. Uh, Some bats to consider uh, on the Tampa Bay side. G-Man Choi at 4,100. You have Nate Lowe. Nate Lowe they low at 4,000. Joey Wendell maybe is a punt for 3,000. Uh, and then you also got Garcia. You know, you don't get the splits, but you get some potential there at 4,300. But the biggest one is Austin Meadows at 4,700. Uh, Jesus Aguilar is only 3,500. Uh, so you can, you can use Yarborough here and maybe build a Tampa Bay stack.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Tampa looks extremely good today. Uh, Yarborough has been phenomenal. Uh, and even more so against the Orioles. Uh, the top plays you listed Meadows. He's my top play today. I also have uh, Tommy Pham, uh, Nate Lowe for value, G-Man Choi, and then also punt with uh, Kevin Kiermaier. Um, so yeah, I definitely see a
0: Tampa stack is viable here. Okay. Let's move on to Minnesota and Detroit, the top stack of the day, uh, the record setting Minnesota twins lineup against Jordan Zimmerman. Uh, we get battered into submission and, uh, yeah, you know, a lot, a lot of friendly bats here, and some of them are friendly enough prices that you can work in the stack. Sometimes with the Yankees, it's it's tough to work in a stack, but you know you will spend the the fifty three hundred for Max Kepler. Uh, if Jason Castro's in the lineup, he's only thirty five hundred, but I think it's going to be Garver, and he's fifty five hundred, and Cruz is fifty seven hundred. So if you want to save money, you got to go to Andrazia. Uh, for thirty-four hundred, he's a switch hitter, so you will get the split or borrow Gonzalez at thirty-eight hundred. Uh, so you know, there are two ways, but uh, you know the the Twins will probably be the top stack of the day.
1: Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent, and for good reason. They're in the best spot today. Zimmer uh, Zimmerman has been pretty terrible this year. Um, one of the issues I think you run into with Minnesota is which bats do you pick because they're all so good and they're all in a great spot. Um, you've got Garver, especially on Fandle. you've got you know, just the one. Uh, they have a catcher first base position, so you don't have that eligibility to throw Cron in with Garver. So typically, what I do is I'll stack top or bottom of the order. Uh, they're they're both viable. Everyone hits pretty well through the order, um, including Jason Castro, Jake Cave, um, T.J. Cron. He's good. He, I think he'll be batting around eighth today.
0: So we'll see. I think, you know, like I said, I think the uh, whole lineup here is viable. Toronto's in Atlanta Could, uh Toronto get no hit two days in a row. I love Mike Soroka to anybody, especially 9,200. Uh, he's probably my top pitcher pick of the day. Absolutely. I have Soroka ranked second. Yarbrough gets him by
1: an edge just because of the lowly Orioles, but uh, I do love Soroka too. Toronto is batting a miserable 156 ISO and 286 Babbitt right now. Uh, they're hitting – 80 WRC plus. So 20% under the league average. Uh, they're in a little bit of a
0: slump right now. I think Soroka can smoke them today. Philadelphia is at Cleveland. Drew Smiley against uh, Anthony de I wouldn't use Di Scalfani, but I get some of these Reds bats in here. You know, Lisa's a mini stack. Nick Senzel at 4,400. Eugenio Suarez is going for his 40th homer at 5,100. I, th- I think he's certainly going to be worth it. Freddie Galvis. Is, is only 4,000. And of course, you got a Kino as well. So at least a mini stack, but I like a red stack this afternoon as well. I,
1: I agree. Yeah, Kino has been phenomenal. Uh, amazing, amazing, uh, breaking records. Uh, Van Meter is another lefty I think you should consider. And I think some people forget about uh, uh, Joey Votto. Um, and then with Disco, I think to keep in mind is his extreme splits. Uh, he's fantastic against righty, 2.58 ERA against righties, uh, 5.78. ERA against lefties, so
0: certainly guys like Bryce Harper are viable on the Philly side as well. San Francisco's at St. Louis, Adam White has been pitched solid if you want to save some salary. I don't like him as much as Ross, but he's 7,600 on DraftKings and maybe a few of these Cardinal bats against Tyler Beattie.
1: Yeah, no. Uh, Beat is terrible. 411 Woba, 619 Slug, 383 OBP. Uh, he's allowed four more runs in his last five or seven starts. Uh, Zuna looks like a, a very good, you know, one-off. Maybe you can mini-stack with Goldschmidt. Uh, if you want to go with a full stack, uh, I would also include uh, Colton Wong, uh, one of the le- one of the only lefties in the St. Louis lineup who's in a great spot today as well. Yeah, what do you think you
0: use of right, way right today?
1: Uh, I uh, I don't know if I'm going to get there on. Fandle, but I can certainly see him as a good uh, SP2 option on DraftKings.
0: Okay, but maybe even better than that is uh, Kyle Hendricks going against Seattle, uh, 8,900. Justice Sheffield, I don't know whether attack or, <laughs> or, or, uh, or abuse him at this point, but I guess in a GPP with his kind of talent, if you want to go with him for $5,000, he's rolling out multiple lineups, he's a curious play. He is a very curious play, and it's a, it's a limited
1: sample size, and he, you've seen success in the past with this guy. But, uh, yeah, everybody's going to look at the 11 innings he's pitched and look at that 7.94 ERA, and they will shy away. Um, but I do think he is an intriguing play. Um, but also on that same token, uh, I do have Nicholas Castellanos uh, ranked as one of my top outfielders today, um, and I think Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo would complement them as well in a stack if you want to go that direction.
0: What do you think of uh, of using Kyle Hendricks? He's coming off a good start. He's 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 facing a bad lineup. What do you he's, think of Kyle Hendricks today?
1: Yeah, I think he's uh, fantastic. This uh, Seattle lineup is doing extremely poor right now. Uh, the hitting metrics are off. Uh, Kyle Hendricks is at home in Chicago. I haven't looked at the weather, but I don't. I think it's pretty much relevant at this point. He is my third ranked pitcher
0: on today's slate. OK, uh, moving right along. Uh, we got we got some other games today. It's only two. Uh, there's only two games on that four ten slate. So let's rip rip through really quickly. Okay. Uh, Houston's at Milwaukee. You got uh, you got Garrett Cole uh, against Adrian Hauser. Hauser's pitched well, but not against this lineup. Uh if you're going to play that two two game slate on, on DraftKings, you're going to have to find a way to get Cole in there. And then the other game is uh, San Diego at Arizona. Cal Quantrill will save you some money there. Uh, Mike Leake, you can never tell what you're going to get out of him. So I'm going to Houston stack and probably Cole, uh, uh, Quantrill and Cole together.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, um, I think that Houston-Milwaukee game is a little intriguing with Hauser the way he's been, 2.79 ERA. Uh .99 whip and a 23.62k percentage against righties. Uh, so I think Houston might incur a little bit of an issue here, but it is Houston uh, 250 ISO 145 WRC plus against righties uh, over the last two weeks. So Bregman, Brantley, Alvarez, my top plays on the Houston side.
0: To recap on the early slate, we like Yarborough, Soroka, uh, Joe Ross, and uh, Adam Wainwright, and maybe Kyle Hendricks. And then this, as pitchers in the stacks, yeah, Montreal, Cincinnati, Tampa Bay, and St. Louis. Yes. Um, so in the night slate, uh, White Sox are at the Indians. Russ Detweiler against Aaron Savali. Got to like Savali in this matchup for 9,600. Definitely run it in the end stack. Yeah,
1: if this uh, if Savali was on the early slate, uh, he would be a top consideration for me. It's unfortunate that he isn't. But, uh, yeah, he's been nothing fantastic and i also do like a cleveland stack on this side as well uh namely framiel reyes
0: i have him down for a for a home run today okay they got colorado and los angeles peter lambert against walker bueller uh bueller uh, i don't think twelve thousand. i want to spend that for him going against colorado maybe if it was miami or something like that but peter lambert i can definitely run this dodger stack you know i'm all about spending up the 5,400 for Bellinger, 4,300 for Peterson, uh, 4,100 maybe for Matt Beattie, Uh, you know, and they called up a hot rookie yesterday and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a short, it's a short night slate. It's, it's, it's a weird breakup today for labor day.
1: Yeah, it is. They did split it up weird. Uh, I I mean, I'm pretty much staying away from the later ones. I I like the main slate, you know, the eight games is pretty good, but uh, yeah, everything's kind of spread out weird. Um, uh, as far as the Dodgers go, yeah, they, they're all in a great spot. Cody Bellinger, he's a top play today overall uh, if you're playing the all-day slate. Uh, Justin Turner, Matt
0: Beatty's in a great spot as well as uh, Jock Peterson. Yeah, it's uh on a two game to two to two night games outside of Zavali It's really hard to find a pitcher that you like without spending, spending up with Walker Bueller. You don't have a choice.
1: Well, it's tough because you got the Colorado Rockies who are pretty dismal on the road, and and their offense is slouching as it is. And then you got Bueller, who's got a two twenty one expected Wobo against them. I think that uh he is he's clearly a top play, but the salary just makes it so hard to get to him.
0: All right. Thanks for listening to the Wind Daily uh, podcast. And uh, you'll be Jason Mizrahi and Brandon Williams tomorrow. And uh, we'll see you then.